I'm Brian. And I'm Quinn. And welcome to Infectious Enthusiasm, the podcast where we talk excitedly about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. First thing I want to point out, by the way, Quinn, is I finally got my hands on both the player core and the GM core for the remastered stuff, and they are great. Yeah, they're, they're pretty fantastic. I know. I'm a big fan. And um, it took me a little while to uh, track down a player core because I, I was determined to get it from a local game store. And they kept being sold out, and I'm not complaining about that. That means that a lot of people are buying them, and I think that's a mm-hmm. good thing. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there because I'm really enjoying the remastered stuff. And I feel like uh, we'll have to do a remaster episode. At some we point. may have to. Actually, I think it's a great idea and because I've been reading through them, and I'm really liking the changes they've made. Yeah, some great changes. And one of the changes they made does, in fact, involve our subject today, but I think we're going to talk about it more generally This subject is monsters, and I like the way that Pathfinder 2 handles monsters because not every game requires them, but the ones that do, you know, you got to do something with them because, you know, what's what's a dungeon without dragons in it? What's what's a tunnel without (laughs) some trolls? It's 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 empty and it's boring. It's a it's a it's a a starfield planet, I guess. So I have I've played Pathfinder 2. I I appreciate you. I see what you're doing. (laughs) So I've played a decent amount of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but I haven't run it yet. However, Quinn, not only have you (laughs) run a lot of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you've written adventures for it. So Mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say that you have a lot more experience with monster design than I do. Mm -hmm. So I've um, I've even even written a few specific monsters, like in a bestiary. I see, for example. So if you don't mind, I'm going to sit back and uh, listen to you talk about how Pathfinder 2 handles monsters. Okay, gather around the campfire. No, 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 no. Uh, don't, don't sit around a fire on this. So, yeah, like, so to talk about how Pathfinder and some of the other games we're going to talk about handle monsters, just a bit of, like, theory on monsters in games. So uh, monsters are story elements that you're using in your game, um, or you're saying something when you bring a, a monster in, and you're saying something different than, like, when you have just, like, a general other kind of character that, people are going to interact with in different ways. And uh, monsters are going to have usually like strange ecologies and patterns and, and life cycles and needs. And they're going to express what they do in different ways. And in RPGs, roughly, there's two approaches uh, a system can take to monsters. They can concern themselves with how monsters are approached, or they can concern themselves with how monsters are encountered, right? And so in yeah. the former, how how they're approached, right? This is where we are looking at the sort of ecology and the patterns. Like, you know, we're going to be tracking down the monster or we're in an area and we see a weird slime on the ground. Oh, what what's that coming from? And it's the mystery and discovery of the monster that is driving the play. Yeah. And then... The other half is the encountered part. And then that is actually, hey, there's a monster. He's right there. <laughs> right. And, you know, what? where the approach is sort of like, what is a monster about? How does a monster live? The encounter is, what does the monster do? Yeah. Right? And how are they, how are they expressed in some sort of conflict? Whether, whether it is a combat or like a social encounter or something else altogether. And so those are, those are two basic approaches. And, and, and I know, you know, 
there's got to be somebody saying, well, Quinn, you can do both. Sure, but it is actually really expensive in terms of time yeah. um, and energy and actual paper to make a monster that is optimized for both approach and encountered. There's relevant to our podcast one exception that we'll talk uh, about um, later, but most systems really have to pick one or the other just for resource constraints. Agreed. I mean, what what, what do you think of that, Brian? Is, is that... No, uh, I agree with that. And and actually, that's also relevant to the game I'm going to bring up later in a lot of ways. So, yeah. so you're right. And, and also, I mean, from a story point of view, that's pretty... Um, I mean, obviously, there's nuance within it, but I think that does break it down into the two basic reasons that you have some sort of monster or adversary or whatever in your game. Right. And yeah, exactly. Like you have question, either it raises a lot of questions or suddenly it, it spurs you into action. Correct. Like, oh, yeah, what, are, what are the rules for bears? And it's one of those. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, you know, if it's, you know, when you approach a monster, it's not like you never encounter it and then there's no encountering mechanics or anything. And it's not that if you encounter them, there's no information on it to uh, approach. But uh, again, it's where is it weighted? Yeah. And so in, in Pathfinder 2, and, and I'm sorry, before I get to that, and then and then once you know where it's weighted, then then we can start talking about like, okay, what is the quality of the information we get and the guidance that we get for doing that? Because it, it varies. Right, right, right. And uh, so, so in Pathfinder 2, it's uh, pretty good. Um, well, one of the reasons we're highlighting it here. And they, some of it comes down to just, honestly, the sheer elegance of the three-action system. It lets you, when you're either building a monster or using a monster, rather than express patterns of like attacks in sort of clunky ways, you know, in, in say, an earlier edition of Pathfinder or like in in 3.5e base games, you're like, okay, the monster does this as a swift action, right. but then this as a, a move action and does that as a standard or a full action, which just made the monster from a GM par- level very hard to parse. Yeah, like having what, having, what, having been on the GM side of that, yeah, it is. And then and then it makes it difficult to, especially because a mon- like most monsters are dealing at an action economy deficit from players, right? Right. Uh, your players have, you know, you have three or four players against one or two monsters, and so they're outstripped in that. And now you have to. It, it puts this onus on the GM to understand the implicit kind of language and economy perfectly or else they're going to use it inefficiently yeah and therefore get mobbed by the players so like so there's a there's a part of monster design that is actually this sort of guidance or that you should be able to look at a monster as a gm and even for sort of complex monsters be able to go oh well i see that, you know, it has this ability and that ability. So it's going to, this ability is going to feed into this ability. But then when this thing is triggered, it's going to do this, right? And, and you should be able to take a few minutes, read it, and and see all of this stuff communicated in what it can do. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I just want to use, uh, and, and so 
Pathfinder 2 does a good job using the three action economy to help do that. So, so it might say, hey, uh, a monster can spend one action to throw a rope and grab a guy, right? Then uh, he can spend two actions to make an attack against the grab, you know, grab guy for extra damage, right? right. He could also spend three actions to do a ground slam attack and hit, you know, a bunch of guys, right? And so that communicates pretty easily where they want to spend a turn, right? And what kind of attack cycles they might use when they get their way. And can I point something out? Like yeah, I said, please. I haven't I haven't run PF2 yet, but I played it. And as a player, knowing that everyone's using the three action economy, if you're if you go up against something and it does the ground slam, and as a player, you see, oh, Correct. that took three actions. If I can do right. something that ties up one of its actions, Correct. maybe mm-hmm. it can't do that next oh, no, not maybe. It definitely can't do that next time. Right. Um, right, exactly. So, so that's something that you can actually turn into a character move too, because a character could also make that make that leap. A character could look at a thing and go, "Oh, it's got to wind up for that. If I can keep it from winding up, then I can, you know, we won't all get, you know, knocked prone." Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like yeah. you can, you know, because Pathfinder gives you all these, you know, ways to, you know, I'm going to trip this guy. And, yeah. You know, yeah. That, that is a that is a favorite of one of my groups, my Tuesday group. Hi, guys. They 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 love they they are masters of athletics and they love to like, you know, when they fight certain bosses, just trip lock, nice. um, trip and grab lock the guy just just to just to disrupt their action economy. Right. If you have to spend an action to get up. Yeah. Right. You can't use that big three action attack or you or it disrupts your action cycle. And and that's the other part of monsters. Right. Uh, especially monsters that are encountered. You know, a sad truth about monsters is they were born to break. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> they, they were not born with long life cycles. Um, True enough. And and w- with an approached monster, since generally with an approached monster, you're going to most of your adventure is kind of like interacting with its artifacts. Yeah, yeah. That like hey, you know, if you if you finally encounter the thing and blow it up and around, it doesn't matter that you didn't see what it can do because it's done what it needed to do. Right. But if if you take a monster that's meant to be sort of encountered and it doesn't get to express what it does, then the then the players don't really understand like they're like cool, like we saw this monster, and it, it's, I don't know, it, wa- it waved his hands in the air. I think it was trying to do something. Anyways, we killed it. Yeah, yeah, we, we, uh, <laughs> we, we one-shotted it. Um, and, and that brings us to what I think might need to be a different episode, which is encounter design, I guess. Right. But, um, but yeah, you're right. Like what? Although I guess we're still sort of talking about that, because when you are making a monster, or even just choosing a monster, you know, from, from, from the from the list of monsters that Paizo has already made. It is important to think about its place in your story, even if that place is just, you know, to be a minion that gets mowed down, that's still a place. You need to, but, you know, think about that and think about how much of a challenge it actually is for your for your players. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And, yeah, like, what kind of, like, challenge is going to be, and then, like, what those monsters are... You know what they say through their actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, where where I wanted to kind of talk about this with Pathfinder Two is just just look at a monster, and you know I'm not going to read out the whole stat block 
of it here, but I just want to sort of talk about it and what it's expressing and and a couple of key points and how it expresses it. And I and I hope it like illustrates for our listeners sort of what Pathfinder is getting right in monster design. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope, I hope, uh, our, I hope uh, our listeners are too. <laughs> also, listeners, this is a stunning display of podcast nepotism here because we're going to be talking about a monster I designed yeah, uh, that is in the bestiary <laughs> three. <laughs> but I, I, I love this little guy. He's not actually very little, but it is the Sombreva. And they basically the Sombreva are negative energy plane hunters like predators and they, they sort of go and they are all about sort of the thrill of the hunt and they make they get trophies in their night lodges uh, but their trophies aren't like statues or like taxidermy they actually drain the souls of things and oh, then, that's that's not um, friendly yeah, no, it's not. No. And then and then they take those souls and then they put them up on the shelves and they sort of display um, the souls and like the more worthy the soul is, the sort of brighter and stuff that it gleams. And that's sort of how they rank themselves um, amongst um, a one night lodge and then one night lodge against the other. Right. So that so that's them. So there is actually cool, I, I, I think, a cool bit of stuff that you can use in a story about them, right? Like to, to go and talk about their approach, but there's not a lot of, you know, there's a, you know, a few hundred words that sort of talks about them here. You're going to, if you, if you're using them for just primarily like a story bit, you're going to need to do some embellishing, right? Yeah. We're not giving you a ton here. They're mostly meant to be encountered, right? Okay, there's, you know, so here's some setup, and all of a sudden you're fighting against, you know, some Brava or two, and here's what they're doing. And so to express that, and so so just their appearance-wise, they are giant creatures, and they have like a blade that they use. Like a, for them, it would be a short sword. For us, it would be a two-handed sword. Oh, gotcha. So right, big. right. And then they have these whips that grow out of their arm. And so that so the the in in just the fiction sense, what they're doing is they they can control sort of darkness too. So they can sort of they'll sort of make darkness around their prey. And then they come in, they can see in the darkness. And uh-huh. they and they, they use whips to like grab them and then sort of uh, drain the souls of their opponents while they stab them and, you know, fight them in the dark. That's terrifying at like three separate levels. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and if, if they kill you with that whip, they can sort of, they basically claim your soul and gotcha. okay. go off, right? And so so that's sort of like the fiction of what they do. And then sort of mechanically, again, I'm not going to read the whole stat block, but just like highlight like a couple of things that that show, that would show you if you're running one of these, how, how to use them and like how you can sort of pick up on it. Cool. So they're like, so, so one of the biggest things is that they have attack of opportunity, right? You know, uh-huh. if somebody tries to move by them, they do it. Not everybody in Pathfinder has attack of opportunity. And generally if someone has attack of opportunity, that means that this implying that there are a skilled warrior. Okay. Right. Right. Cause like for player characters, only fighters get it. That makes sense. Exactly uh, right, by right, default. right. Okay. And then and then they have an ability, because they're these hunters, they have a hunter's triumph, right? And so it's a triggered ability. And if they kill something, they let out this like triumphant roar 
and then everybody has to make a will save or be frightened. Right. Okay. Right. Because they're just like, imagine these like hunters and, you know, and they, and they, they, uh, I should say too, that they, they have blue skin and they have like animal heads, like the heads of predators. So like they might have like the body of a human, but the head of an eagle okay. or like a lion or things like that. Right. They're these predator monster, uh, predator yeah, yeah. humanoids. And then they have like some melee attacks. You know, they have the blade and then they have that, that whip coming out of their skin. And then they have sort of, you know, and those are just one action things. And then they have sort of darkness as a spell-like effect. Yeah. Right. Which lets them do their thing. Uh, And then uh, they have a one action claim trophy. Right. So basically any creature that they killed within the last minute, um, they can take that one action and then take their soul as a blue thing. And, you know, uh-huh. there's even some text in here on how you can get the soul back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was exactly because right, right there that that gives the potential for a whole other adventure. Right. Yeah. yeah I love and, you know, yeah. Yeah. If they get away, you have to go to the night lodge and do it. Or if you like, if you kill the Sombreva, you can sort of free the soul uh-huh. by sort of touching it and speaking the word for freedom nice. in any language. Right. So which is like a nice touch. To, you know, like sort of fiction forward touch. Love in it. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then it has just like, you know, for its ability, like a whip drain. Right. So if it has some if it has something grabbed with the whip, it can spend one action to drain it. Right. And then it's like last ability is just sort of a stack ability. If it has if it's got something off guard or drained or frightened, all of things it can inflict, then its hunt blade will do extra damage. Okay. Right? So it yeah. sort of sets sets people up with darkness, with draining them with a whip or the roar to deal more damage with the hunt blade, right? right and so that's right, its right. general attack cycle. And so like the Sabreva does all of this stuff, but it's and and there's this economy to how you can express a monster in Pathfinder where this doesn't take up like two pages of stuff. It sure. takes up like about half a page and it's pretty easy to read. It doesn't have actually a ton of abilities, just a few synergistic ones. Right. And you don't need a lot because if you pile too much stuff on there, first off, you're not going to get to use most right. of it. And also at that point, it just becomes a burden for the game master to have to try to remember all of it and fit it in. Correct. So, yeah. So, what it sounds like to me is like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you went in with a theme and then just used things that helped fit that theme. Right. Okay. Yeah. The, the the theme was the theme was a negative energy plane predator, like sort of like yeah. an alpha predator. Right. And um, then you know, and then at one point, you know, at one point when I was sort of like doing the the notes and sort of like brainstorming about it, it just like. It, 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 it sometimes happens like this where it just like clicks. It was like, oh, these guys are like, you know, these hunters and they and they like collect soul because they're negative energy plane things. They don't just collect. They don't care about bodies, but they care about souls. And then nice. they just sort of, you know, and then and then and then it's like once I had that, everything just sort of cascaded off of there, you know, from the concept to the mechanics and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And you and you can see that in and not just I, I wanted to use a Sombreva because it's like I know exactly what went into that. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but you can see similar things in the other monsters, right? Like it's uh, usually like a few abilities um, that sort of feed 
into and out out of like there's a a good monster design in Pathfinder 2 has this kind of like system systemic flow yeah. Right. Like I, you know, like, you know, I attack you and then, you know, I, I might grab you or knock you down or inflict this condition. And if you have a condition flicked, inflicted on you or I've knocked you down, then I can do this other thing to follow up that might do this other, th- uh, you know, might do something else or maybe just do extra damage mm-hmm. or, you know, and then, and then there's a kind of play for it. And, and, and what that, what that results in is that it's very easy, even if players, kill the Sombreva quick. They've seen a lot of what it's trying to do. And the yeah. what the monster, you, you know, going back to that initial thing that we're talking about, like what does the monster do? You're going to see the monster expressed. And so you're going to get a feel for its flavor and right. its role in the fiction by what it does. Even if it even if it's not horribly successful, right? Right. Um, you know, that that's the goal. Well, and sometimes, well, having uh, game mastered a whole lot, like I said, I haven't run Pathfinder 2, but I've I've run a lot of other games. And sometimes you put something in the game and you think it's going to do one thing and it doesn't. <laughs> other times, though, that's the point. Sometimes you put something in to make, to make that point, either for it to be really difficult and, you know, give mm-hmm. them opportunities to run away and learn a thing, or for it to be not such a difficult encounter, but to make a point about, about the setting or to make a point about the story they're in. Like, oh, we're dealing with negative energy beings now. I mean, that might be all, you, know, all you right. needed. And like, maybe we're high enough level or we're good enough at, you know, at strategy and tactics that we took this thing down. But now these things are, are around. You know, and we're not always going to be there to keep it from stealing souls. Even that is is a is a good book. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I mean, you could run, you know, you could run there. There's enough hooks on this thing. You could make like a adventure based around like a whole tribe of these things. Right. Stuff like that. And, you know, like I, I, I used it in, in one of my games, you know, and they, they encountered them earlier and they were quite a challenge. And then they encountered when they were leveled up and it was not quite as much of a challenge, but I, I, put in both ends so they could sort of almost see how they'd grown that they could sort of do, you know, like basically one of them came back. Cause the, some brave are also about like honor oh, and sort okay. of worthy hunts and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. They're not, one of those. they're not, yeah, they're, yeah, they're not amoral really, but even though the morality might be a little twisted, um, <laughs> right, right, you know, right. and then, and then, and then, you know, they sort of fought one and then he was like, Hey, you're, you know, I'm I'm gonna let y'all go, y'all go right now. Uh, but I'll be like, you guys are really promising. Like I, you know, it it gave it gave in its mind the best compliment it could give is like, <laughs> you guys are worth you guys are worthy of your souls being on my wall. Whoa, I'll be yeah, back. they 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 have, <laughs> they have a code. I like it. Yeah, right. You know, and it, and it's like, well, maybe that wasn't the compliment that you thought it was, but noted, right? <laughs> right. Like, uh oh, <laughs> you know, so. You know, it it was so so. I, I guess that that like is a good sort of expression of a good example of how Pathfinder is doing it, and sort of some of the factors that go into it. What, Brian, what, what what did you want to talk about? I had a few games that uh, sprang to mind, but the one that really kept coming back up that I thought was doing something different with monsters is Monster of the Week. 
and partly because it has the word monster right there in the name of the game. So as the name implies, it's it's a game that's designed to emulate really TV shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, The Witcher, you know, things like that. Even X-Files to some extent where the, the, the trope of Monster of the Week actually came from. And so you already know sort of the kind of stories that you're going in to tell. And it's in, in shows like that, and especially the way that the game is set up, often figuring out what's causing the problem in a story is the main activity, even more so than what would be a boss fight at the end. Sometimes you don't really even get the boss fight because you figured out the problem. And this actually goes back to what you were talking about with the difference between encountering a, a monster where, where that's the fight. You know, that's, that's the thing. But in this case, it's the other thing you were talking about where a lot of it is the mystery of the monster. What's, what's happening? Why are, why, why are these people dead or, or wandering around like, like, like zombies? And so Monster of the Week does a really good job of offering you both options. But just like you were talking about with designing a monster in Pathfinder 2, it isn't necessarily an adversary to be defeated, but it can be. And sometimes you could set up sort of a, a bigger monster with minions, so the minions would be the encounters, and then the main one would be your mystery. But when you're building a monster or monster of the week, what you end up doing is figuring out things like its motivation, what weaknesses it has, and those could be classic, like silver or extreme heat, or, you know, like folklore, hearing a certain word, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, well, not even or, along with that, you're also doing more traditional things, like literally how much harm will kill it. Because Monster of the Week doesn't exactly have a hit point system, but it kind of does. You, mm-hmm. you do harm to things. So you can actually, you know, there are some monsters that you, if you just hit them enough times, it'll die. But you also want to figure out what powers it has and things like that. But because How satisfying it, is the combat in that? It Actually, it is quite satisfying. It is not tactical like Pathfinder 2 would be. It is satisfying in the same way that, say, the final scene of an episode of Supernatural might be satisfying. Um... Or, okay. or or the climactic scene. Because, again, uh, the, the promise of this game is that you are emulating a TV show in which you encounter a bunch of monsters. And you are also trying, in most cases, to solve the mystery. You're not just wading through a dungeon where you have encountered a lot of monsters. Again, that could be part of it, but generally speaking, okay, like it's like an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. A whole lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was, what's behind this? And then once they figure out what's behind it, they figure out, they look it up in a book and they go, oh, we need to, come, you know, we need to surround it by salt and then banish it. So sometimes that's what you're doing. <laughs> so, but combat does exist and combat is, well, I mean, it's, it's a powered by the apocalypse game, but they do have a, so what you end up doing is a whole lot of, you've got moves that do harm. There's one that's literally called kick ass. And so what you're doing is if you've got the character, if you've got, you know, your, your character trying to think of a good one. Oh, okay. Like going back to Buffy again, you know, the guy, well, Buffy herself did a whole lot of ass kicking. Like she would get into just a full out fist fight with vampires. Right. So that's that move. But then also you've got other people whose moves are more like what Giles would do, 
uh, or whatever, you know, where they, you know, stick a piece of consecrated paper on the thing's head and it goes away. So you've got it, it actually, depending on the moves that you've got, it's got those options for, for how you want to handle it. And so the other thing that it does that I think is, is useful is it groups monsters into different types. So you can, as a game master, decide what, what monster you want to be at the heart of this thing. And if the monster is literally just, you know, kind of a, a rampaging minotaur type monster, then you are pretty much going to have to go up against it with, with weapons or, or some sort of violence. But if it's more of a scheming mastermind type monster, like, you know, your, your head vampire, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. If it's like that, then you've got to come up with, you've got to be more clever about it. But so monster design in this is in a lot of ways. It's, 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 it's like encounter and like it's, it's, it's session design almost. In, in a lot of ways, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it is. So you've got to think about the monster's place in the story. And once you've re- once you figured uh, that out, once you figured out like what role does this monster play in this in this session or in this group of sessions, uh, once you've answered that question, and then you can throw in some weaknesses that they have. They can make certain moves, and they can discover the weaknesses. Like again, if we're going back to Buffy, you know they they look it up in the right book, something like that. Or more excitingly. Um, you go and talk to some other kind of monster that knows how to defeat it. You know, that kind of thing. You have to do one of those things. But whatever it is, go ahead. But like encountering these monsters is probably one, like maybe you might have an incidental run-in or something, but like the, like encountering the monster is actually one of the last things you do. Absolutely. And it does often come down to something along the lines of a boss fight where you've, you've got your ducks in a row because again, these these TV episodes are built like that. So 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 this has mechanical support for doing the same thing. Where and it doesn't feel like having both played it and run it, it doesn't feel to me as a player like the game master is just dangling plot, you know, plot tokens in front of me. Because the way that everything is set up and the way that the moves are built up surrounding this monster, it actually comes off as getting closer and closer to the heart of the mystery. And once I've solved it, either I have the tools I need to defeat it, or I already had the tools I needed to defeat it. I've just found the thing. And I like that. I I like it. Mm Then it also gives you the option. Not everything's going to be the same. It gives you a lot of options for different types of monsters, different reasons they would show up and ways to make every character in there have something important to do. Because when you're making a monster, it's pretty easy to look at the, uh, the the player character's abilities and just add things that will either be more challenging to them or or just in some cases just possible for them to do. Like you've right. got that one one character that's really good at a thing, throw in the monster, like make the monster's weakness something that they can discover, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think it's a really good example of like this sort of inversion of the the pathfinder general approach of like hey we're like here you're going to make a monster that is going to be basically your session and then here are all the ways to sort of design like you know a mystery yeah and like you know sort of your separate encounters that lead up and like the monster encounter is really kind of the culmination of everything else right and it is possible to throw in some minions so you could have some lesser encounters if you want to do that 
But you're exactly right. The primary encounter is going to be your uh, your big bad at the end. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, what did you want to talk about as far as the way uh, other things can start? Um, so I am going to talk about Call of Cthulhu. That's one of my favorite games. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu is a, a classic. And, and Call of Cthulhu is another one that actually inverts the it's it's an inversion of how Pathfinder do it. it I want to say in it's not a really inversion because because approach and encounter become the same thing. They're part of a cycle. Yeah, right? true, uh, true. You you approach a thing until you've encountered it. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. It, absolutely right. Same, right. Absolutely right. So, but it cares more about approach, right? You know, if you look in, like I I have in front of me a copy of the Malleus Monstrorum. Mm-hmm. It's actually like a really beautiful two set bestiary. For Call of Cthulhu, like I, I just if if you like Call of Cthulhu, like you should low key this thing. It's, it's yeah, yeah, I need to. I, I don't. Um, have, I don't have that one. I need to find it. It's 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 really good. It's, it's, and 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 like when you when you go through it, you'll see that it is like Call of Cthulhu monster stats aren't a lot to write home about, right? Uh, just, just because like either the monsters, it's like it's an elder god, so you're dead, right? When you when you encounter those things you're you're gone right that's not um, that, that's not an encounter right <laughs> right right that that's your death there's like a second level you know so, so the, the, those stats are like perfunctory absolutely um, and then the, then there's another level of like you can run yeah you know and and they might do some stuff to you on the way out and then there's like oh you could like fight this right right you've got um, you've got some of the lesser ones that you could actually mess with yeah right and and the, those are like the three tiers of, of things and and usually they're expressed fairly succinctly in in their sort of stat block and what's more important for these monsters is like the description of what they do they go into a lot of details about like where you'll find them what they're about like what they like to do you know yeah uh and and because what's really important in using them is their encounter, like, like there's, there might be a monster who is going to be summoned that is so powerful it will like destroy you. But what you you don't care necessarily about the encounter uh, again because you're going to get destroyed. Um, <laughs> so you probably want to avoid that encounter. Right. Um, but like the things up to it, like oh what what's happening here? What what is that strange thing on the wall? Oh like where are these summoning circles? Where where yeah. uh, you know why are those people in the town there? Right that. Call of Cthulhu's main form is sort of like a combination of like mystery and madness. And these monsters are providing this brooding, you know, overtone. You know, these monsters are right underneath the surface of one of these adventures. Right. And is trying to figure out what it's doing, what it wants, where it is. That is a lot of the tension of the thing. So the the ecology and patterns and physiology of the beast are the more way more important than the stat block, the right. stat blocks could just, you know, like you could, you could, if you wanted to literally change the stat blocks to like you're living, you're hurt, you're dead. <laughs> Fair right? point. And it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you could just let people roll dice as they want to flavor it. And, and, you know, functionally it would work the same in a lot um, of ways, in Call of yeah. Cthulhu, you know, uh, because all of the good juice is in the other flows of the game. Absolutely. And one of the things I like about the way that monsters are written up in Call of Cthulhu games 
is is that a whole lot of it is that ecology that you were talking about. Right. You've got that has because I have both played and run Call of Cthulhu, and that yeah. is I have just flipping through the sort of low and mid-level monster listings has been enough to give me an idea for for an adventure. Because I uh like you said, it'll tell you which places you can find it, it'll tell you what it feeds on, why why it does certain things, and that information is enough for me to go, oh, okay, these are the effects that it would have if it ended up in, say, a circus or whatever. And once I've got that, you know, you tell the investigators, weird things are happening at the circus. <laughs> and then, even if it's a fairly low-level monster that they could defeat, Approaching it is, like you said, the vast majority of the game. And mm -hmm. then they figure out whether or not they have any hope of, of doing right. anything about it. Right, exactly. You know, or you could like run like even like a like a low level monster, like a ghast. Yeah. Like there's a ton of information, you know, in, in the about like, you know how they live, you know, in like groups of like 10 to 20 members. Blah, right. Blah. And so you could, you could use this information to make a adventure that is about, you know, uh, a community of guests just out, uh, outside a small town yeah. who are like, you know, breaking in and stealing stuff to like live, you know, or, or yeah. whatever, you know, it's, it's, and you know, and then it's starting to ramp up, you, you, you know, you, you use these, you use the monsters as much as adventure seeds. Right. As Absolutely. As like a, opponents where you use them more as adventure seeds than opponents. Yeah, that's a, you're exactly right. And I, it, it fits so nicely with the themes of the literature that the game is based on. Correct. And yeah, I, I think that like fits for that. And shall we talk about like our, our, our notable exception to the approached or encountered rule? Sure. <laughs> so I will give one from our, and I'm sure there are others. This is the one I have on hand and I think is relevant to talk about. It is the Pathfinder second edition book, Lost Omens, Monsters of Myth. Uh, and so this book, so the Bestiary 3 that the Sombreva in has 300 monsters. The Sombreva takes a page, right? Uh -huh. uh, and it is a nice big book, right? There are 18 monsters. In this book, it is much smaller, but a monster is like, you know, the a monster takes maybe, you know, six to eight pages. Right. A lot more detail. With, yeah. With with a lot of detail and talks about sort of where it is in the world. They might, you know, cover, you know, it might have, have everything from extra items to discover like an archetype of, you know, people who hunt this thing yeah. and, and, you know, campaign seeds where you might use, like how you could base a whole campaign around it. And so this is an example and they do have those great, amazing stat blocks we've got. Right. And, and one, one neat feature of Pathfinder is that the way they do the stat blocks, they can sort of add in sort of descriptive fiction bits into powers to like, like with the Sombreva where you can claim the soul by, you know, touching it and right. saying freedom in any language. It's a, it, it's a great thing that feeds into it. And then when you have all that wind up of talking about a monster for, you know, six pages or so, then it can really synergize well with that stat block. And you, yeah, can get, yeah. you know, you can really express what you were just talking about in there. And so this is a great thing where the monsters are 
you know, you can go through the whole approach of the monsters. You can build whole adventures or campaigns around some of these monsters. Some of them are some of them are so high level. If you're starting your characters off at like first <laughs> level, you will have to make it a campaign. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because they're not going to fight it. But, that's that's a really long approach. Right. Yeah, this is a very long approach. But you know, you can you know do it in any number of ways and use them. Like so, you can build your approach, and then and then when you encounter them, they still are doing what Pathfinder excels at. Yeah, yeah, um, but absolutely. Again, but again, this is, in terms of effort, is not, like, cheap to, to do. Right. You cannot, you cannot do it at the same, you cannot build this at the same rate that you do the beast here. You know, this takes a lot of, you know, there's some yeah. really cool monsters in here and really cool, lots of thought and, like, work went on all of this stuff. Um you know, I'd love to see more of this stuff, but just just thinking of it realistically oh, um, yeah. for products is is you know I hope we see more of this book, but they will be similarly slim and right cool. You know, and that, and that's how it should be. Right, it just takes a, um, literally it just takes a lot more time to make that happen. And but I agree, some of my favorite things, and that that book is a good example. Some of my favorite. Oh, here's a. You remember the Dragon Magazine back in the day? They do the ecology of a certain. Oh monster. my God! Oh yes. Um, so what what you're describing is a lot like that, uh, in which it would just be this, you know, it would be two or three pages in Dragon Magazine about uh, how the monsters operated, communities that they might have had, and I I ate those articles up. Oh God, I I, I love those things. Yeah. I love those things. So this reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. But but then, then we'll know again in just in terms of that effort, right? Those things came out after the monster man. You know, like they didn't oh, come yeah, out yeah. with the monsters originally. They had to come out in dribs and drabs after right. to really to really make those chewable. So Oh right, um, because the monster manual would have like four or five monsters per page. So right. whereas, you know, so they were it was mostly the stat block with a fairly short description. And then, so it was always fun to me to see, you know, Ed Greenwood go in and just, you know, really <laughs> blow it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. So, I mean, I think we have taken on this monstrous task. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything else you want to lead out lead out with um, there? Just or? that, you know, I think everything that we're talking about, like we said, is coming up with uh, why your monster is is in the place that it is. And in some cases, it might be that you want to challenge a certain player character. In some cases, you're telling it's because you're telling something about the story. Sometimes you just want, you know, a cool thing with some firepowers in it, whatever it is. You know, be aware of of why you're putting the thing in the place it is. And that will help you determine uh, if you're making a new monster, it'll help you determine what to do with it. If you're picking one out, it will help you find a good one to slot into that space. Mm hmm. Well said. How about you? Guess I, you know, I said I said the, the most of it just, but but to just reiterate, I think, you know, uh, a good, I think the approach encounter frame is a really useful way. Yeah, to, yeah, I to, agree. To think about it, like you know, sort of plugging into what you're saying, like where you want to put it, and then and then what part of the monster, like what aspect of the monster do you care most? about yeah right? what do you want to highlight um, i like that yeah right and and then and then and then it's uh nice if you care more about the approach then you can sort of uh 
lean away from like focusing on stat blocks or yeah. things like that. And then if you care more about the encountered, then you can care, you can sort of de-emphasize the how and why and just sort of focus on like what's it going to do when they meet it. Absolutely. And so you can save yourself. Uh, so the most work you're going to do as a GM is when you when you care a lot about both. Yes, um, good that's point. the most work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if if you just consider that as a fact, and I'm not saying don't spend that time, but think about where you want to spend time if you've got a limited time budget. Yeah, be, mind, be mindful other. of what it is that what your goal is. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean that's everything that I wanted to hit. I think, although we could, as you may have already figured we, we out, keep, we we can keep talking. We we <laughs> we may do another monster episode because yeah, yeah th- we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you soon. See you later.